Kevin Mayo, your favorite topic, Apple TV Plus. <laughs> Not the TV app yet, just Plus. This is Plus. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to start off there uh, because it's Emmy nomination season. The, yeah, I mean, I do like Apple TV stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the nominations kind of get old after, um, like, after the first go away, right? It becomes less relevant, really, because, like, you know, it has... Whether Apple got no- nominations or not, that makes no difference to whether I like their content or not. You know, it's a completely different thing. But as an industry measure, obviously Apple's prioritized awards recognition, so it does matter on on that basis. Kind of like how Apple always talks about customer sat when they talk about their products, but like what really matters is who buys them, right? But they love talking about customer sat- satisfaction numbers. Uh, where on the on the TV side, I guess viewership it would be one metric, but they're not going to tell you that because it's not very good. So what do they talk about? They talk about nominations. And obviously their entire, you know, original strategy is targeting top names, top, you know, prestige to use that to use that word. And the best measure of that is through nominations, although nominations themselves are a big game of like who pays the most to run campaigns and there's complications and stuff. So like the 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 long and short of it is that the best shows aren't necessarily the ones that get the most awards, right? That's just a fact of life. But it was still very impressive last year when Apple got like sweep the comedy category with Ted Lasso. If you went to TV Plus's launch, you wouldn't find many people expecting them to have such accreditation so quickly. And then they followed that up with the Oscar win, right, for uh, for Coda. This year, uh, it's, also, it's Emmy season again, and Apple got 52 nominations for its content at the 2022 Primetime Emmy Awards. The uh, These are just nominations. The actual ceremony will be held in September, so we'll find out if they get any wins. Uh, 52 is up from 34 last year which obviously reflects the fact that their library keeps getting bigger and bigger and when you have more shows you have more chances to get more awards uh, Ted Lasso got 20 nominations that's the same as last year and the big new entrant for Apple Awards play is Severance which now gives them a solid uh, drama show like they kind of crack comedy with Ted Lasso already drama they had some higher profile nominations for the morning show and stuff but it never got like best drama series whereas severance first year straight in there with best drama series nominations and then obviously cast nominations for adam scott and supporting actors as well so they'll obviously be very happy that they're now they now have both comedy and drama because like the one of the things with the emmys is they kind of pick the same if you get in they kind of pick the same shows year after year after year like it take you you have to do you have to do really badly to get dropped out so like ted lasso is going to be in for any for, for for its entire run, right? If it lasts three seasons, if it goes longer, it'll be in there in some degree. Uh, and now Severance will probably st- stick around too. So Apple's got basically like confirmed high-profile drama and comedy nominations for years to come, right? So they've cracked drama, they cracked comedy. Obviously, if they get some wins, it'd be even better. But we'll see whether they actually win. They, you know, Ted Lasso won last year for best comedy series. There's a decent chance it wins again this year. Uh, on the drama side unclear if severance is going to be able to take it uh i think it's great but the uh the emmy voting public will probably go with something like succession from hbo or something but we'll see uh it'll probably get some awards it might not get like the top honors uh but it, to be honest after that it, it's kind of gravy like getting nominations is enough you know uh, they'd hope that severance wins at one point throughout its run but it doesn't have to win in year one and it's quite rare for stuff to win in year one like when ted lasso did it it was quite that was like an outlier um, so they've got comedy, they've got drama. Their next sites, if I was Apple's awards team, I'd be looking at limited series because they got no limited series recognition this year or last year. Uh, and so that's probably where they're going to aiming their sites for the 2023 campaign. Now the comedy and drama's like already kind of set. Some candidates for limited series that will come up will be Blackbird. That's currently streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. That's getting good reviews. It's pretty good. That's got Taron Edgerton. It's got Ray Liotta in one of his final roles. Um, it's Paul Waterhouse in a really good depiction of the kind of killer, suicide killer enemy. And also in August, they've got Five Days at Memorial, another limited series, which is um, also got a lot of a buzz around it. It's about uh, Katrina. So those are the kind of projects they'll be campaigning for in the 2023 Emmys next year. And that's and then if they get limited series recognition, then they'll have cracked like every top line ca- category of comedy, drama and limited series. Yeah, the Five Days at Memorial wasn't on my radar until you you shared it with me, and that's sort of a dramatic telling of a very specific story um, around Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans in the aftermath. And my family moved to the Gulf Coast uh, a few months after Katrina, so it's it's a story that is is closer to me than others. And um, 
the the story that they're telling it's it's not just sort of you know there's been a lot of documentaries and everything so this is sort of like a chernobyl style um you know look at at basically the premise is that there was a specific hospital because it's based mm-hmm. on true events yeah. there was like a specific hospital in the aftermath of katrina where the uh the nurses or stuff had controversial views on survival and they like got freaked out because they weren't sure if they're ever going to get help so mm-hmm. they like um euthanize some people that they didn't think they better care for and that's part of what it's focusing on it's like a big review of what happened in this like one specific hospital yeah in yeah. the aftermath of the katrina yeah. yeah but it looks good yep uh do you think ted lasso will really end on season three what do you think about that well they keep saying it like it was i don't know i feel like it's too it's too good for apple like if they lose ted lasso out of the yearly rotation this quickly it's a big big loss like I, I think they planned it as a three-season show, obviously, from the beginning, right? So they're going to run out the three-season story. Then somewhere next year, after the third season comes out, they'll be like, uh, well, we're now going to carry on with Ted Lasso back in America, and he's going to run a team back in America again. Or there'll be a spin-off with, like, you know, Roy or something. You know, like I, I feel like they could, even if the story of Ted Lasso ends in season three, they're kind of, Ten Lasso universe yes, will continue in some, yeah. some way or another. Yeah, yeah, they can't do Coach Beard because that single episode from his perspective was kind of panned. You know, and that was, that was <laughs> one of the extra ones. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Roy, Roy, but like a Roy and Keeley spinoff, they could one hundred percent do. Yeah, Roy's a good character, and and that, and that actor is is expanding his presence and other uh, cinemas, uh, cinematic universes. So let's see what else we have here. Uh, Apple TV app, the the. The uh, the new header, the new feature that's in beta, what, what's that about? Yeah, so we talked about iOS 16 beta 3 release 2, obviously, in last week's show, but this required um, coordination with the back end. So if you go to the TV app now on one of the beta releases and you go to the Originals tab, they now have this new design for the main header at the top. Uh, before, it was basically just like the same tiles they have for like every other category, so it's kind of stale. But now they've got like this kind of like full bleed header design where they can feature shows you can add to the up next list right from there because there's a little plus button in the corner and you can click to go straight to the show uh and like functionally it's probably slightly better at uh, surfacing new content for people to watch but it's just aesthetically a lot nicer to look at i mean the old design you'd have like the apple tv plus logo is just like a standard navigation bar element it kind of looks pretty cheap and like pretty rough now it's like nicely um superimposed on top of the album artwork and on Mac and iPad, the featured carousel uh, changes to a video if you wait a few seconds. On the iPhone at the moment, it's only photos. I think that might change by by launch, but uh, that's how it is right now. I'd, ideally, they would like combine the featured header thing with the up next queue, but that's not how it works. It's just like a separate static featured thing, and then the up next queue is below. Like if they could put both together. And then you'd have like a button which would just show you up next queue in full. That'd be kind of more ideal. But it's the TV app. It's very slow paced. And but this is a nice change and a good change in a good direction. It just makes it feel a lot more premium. Yeah, it reminds me of the Apple TV feature uh, where the app takes it into a full screen preview um, as, as an on, op- on the home screen on the home thing. screen as an option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, was, I, it was a fun experience when you were showing me this feature. I was attempting to screenshot the feature to you and at first it does show you a static image before it rolls into uh the the video aspect and you can screenshot the static image but there's drm on the on the video portion and it blacks out so i wish they'd fix that by the way separately like, right you should be out in and it's not when quibi was like a thing for the three months in 2020 or whatever that was one of the things everybody criticized it for they they, they picked it out they're like you can't share screenshots you can't make it go viral i was like Every streaming service works like that. Like, none of them let you do it that I know of. Like, Netflix doesn't let you do it. HBO doesn't let you do it. Disney doesn't let you do it. Apple doesn't let you do it. They should 100% let you do it. Like, what are they scared of? That you're going to screenshot every single frame of the video? Right. Like, and, and people, I mean, they, you know, if you want to do it, you'll find a way. Yeah, I mean, you can go on torrent websites and find all of these shows sure. in 4K quality down that you can steal and pirate if you really want to. So whatever security that gives you, it's not it's not working. So yeah. I would, like, I think if they want to be, uh, you know, if they are worried about some piracy aspect to it, like, make it so if you screenshot it, just always rounds to the nearest, like, whole second or nearest whole five seconds or something. So you can't theoretically screenshot every single frame. You can get, like, one second or five seconds. Because what I see a lot of now is people screenshot 
with the subtitles turned on. Yeah. And then they tweet that. Yeah. But the DRM means that the actual frame of the video is blacked out. So you just get the, <laughs> you just get the uh, subtitles and nothing else. Yeah. You, got, so you get to take a picture of your screen. screen. Yeah. Please. I think they should let you share clips, like a five second or 30 second clip directly from there too like there's all this stuff they can do but they do none of it well apple's in a pretty unique position too i mean they could just have a built-in social feature uh you know in the video player because they don't have to get rights from everybody (laughs) it's all their stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and they don't even do um like what they do in apple music where you have like friends are listening to yeah the tv app experience has no like friends are watching kind of thing which i think is another obvious thing they can move into um because like especially with even more than music i'd say tv is very uh, based on what your friends are recommending like it gives you a big input impetus to watch so if the tv app had a, a feature like that where it said like you know zach is watching blackbird i'd be like more enticed to jump straight on it immediately you know and then i could maybe talk to him about the episode and stuff like natural social elements with that aren't like re- replicating twitter or facebook because i think the apple music feature is pretty good but they need to bring that across to the tv app too yeah yeah speaking of tv stuff i uh I finished my screeners of a of a certain sci-fi show. <laughs> from you in, can name it, yeah, yeah, from in kind, and you know, of course, I can't speak to the specific specific episodes, but um, I I do want to do whether it's uh probably probably what we'll do is is I want to speak to whether it's you or Seth Kurkowski from Space Explored, uh, someone maybe maybe a panel. I know our colleague Admiral Lee is a huge fan uh, from Nine Five Google, but I want to do an episode that is just. Going through season three and talking season about, three, yeah, because yeah. I did a written review for for S two, and um, and 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 I was happy enough with that, and that was largely driven by having access to some some interviews there. But for for season three, I just want to kind of talk about it with friends. So maybe that'll be. I think that'd be a good use of our um our, our membership. You know, when you for subscribers to have a have a bonus episode of that if if people are into that it. sounds so, good. Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, Moving on a little bit, also in media, Apple announced on the... Oh, I also want to remind everyone, if you're at San Diego Comic-Con, runs uh, 21st to the 24th of July. That's, that's Apple TV's presence there. Um, for And they have that severance-like <laughs> yeah. escape room kind of experience. Yeah, so, so cool. if any listeners, if anyone gets severed, let us know. I'm curious how that goes. Uh, Apple Music, though, that they announced that Apple Music sessions are becoming a thing. This follows... Uh, iTunes sessions years ago, uh, which are special live studio recordings of uh, of artists' material. Um, in this case, they're doing a new thing. It's subscriber only, so it's you have to subscribe to Apple Music to have access to it. Before, I guess you'd purchase it on iTunes, so that was the thing there. Um, but the the real thing this time is that they have they're recording everything in spatial audio. So even if the artist material isn't spatial audio mixed in Apple Music, these versions will be. And uh, that's pretty cool. I think especially live music, when when you're recording it from scratch for spatial audio, it's going to be a much better experience than some of the spatial audio enhanced mm-hmm. songs where like the audio levels are just way off from what you what you are used to. <laughs> and, uh, so, so that's exciting. Carrie Underwood and an artist named Tennille Towns, who I don't know, uh, those will be the first sessions, and uh, and it's and it's audio, and they have a video version as well of some. So they've like v- recorded video and audio. Technology is advancing since the iTunes sessions days, and I, and I feel like this has um some implications longer term for like AR experience and stuff. Like if you're recording with spatial audio, it makes sense. Like you could do if you if you if you watch video, even if it's not three D video, but you have like a surround sound audio track on top of it i feel like it's gonna be pretty immersive in like a headset kind of experience so i bet some of this rolls into that that'll be part of their yeah and, and the sales pitch they bought that company a couple of years ago that that was all about live streaming sports and, mm-hmm. and virtual reality so they got if they have the experience now um, yeah i can see them making like when when the headset is out and maybe more slightly more commercial rather than like developer exclusive or whatever i can see them making deals and like you could get some concerts and maybe they stream apple plus and it's like a 3d vr experience kind of thing like there's definitely opportunities for them to try out stuff like that yeah yeah uh and i want to hear more about this studio that they've got their state-of-the-art studio in nashville tennessee that they're they're doing these uh where they're doing these trials that's pretty cool i also want to mention i guess i didn't really notice the pattern but if you remember i think it was back in may they had the live harry styles a concert stream 
and they've done one every month since then. So I guess that's the cadence is cadence is one per month. So um, th- those are I, 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 they didn't really make a big deal about that. I don't think of like this is going to be a monthly thing. Maybe they said that, but I hadn't noticed the pattern until I saw the news of the most recent one, and then realized oh they've had one every month since then. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like the stuff when they do original, you know, original live stream or original recordings where they're they're adding to the content, and that's you know it's it's one more leg up from the competition if they're doing these things and others aren't. I like it. I wonder when they're going to roll out the. Uh classical apple music service they promised that's a that's a differentiation for sure yeah before the end of the year yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i kind of thought it might be part 15.6 it felt like a you know mid-year kind of thing but 15.6 is come and gone and no word to say about music classical and and of course it's not in in, in, uh, ios 16 beta yet but uh they they did announce it as an effort this year that that will be coming i wonder they they're they're keeping the the app the, the, the service that they bought they kept that app active right until they're replacement or no i think so yeah i think I, yeah okay there was a tail off period yeah yeah oh, oh well yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll keep looking forward to that and then i'll never use it because i don't listen to classical music yeah, that's right yeah. happy hour this week is brought to you by ladder you know i started wearing glasses this year and it was just one of those things that kind of hit me oh this is a life moment this means i'm getting older and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens ladder has taken the life insurance industry modernized it for a digital world and shook out all the inefficiencies as you are reminded just how fragile life is it makes sense why people get life insurance especially term coverage which is surprisingly affordable you just pay a little bit each month to protect the ones that you love if you're thinking about this stuff then why not choose ladder for your life insurance plan ladder is a 100 digital service when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. You fill out Ladder's application form, and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved. Ladder has no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. You can even get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days, and Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. Ladder's customers rate them 4 out, 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and Ladder even made Forbes' best life insurance list of 2021. So if you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's spelled L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. All right, next up, we have uh, some, some Apple uh, uh, notebook. Uh, some, laptop news. Some laptop news, yeah. First off, we've got a class action, lap, uh, class action lawsuit uh, over Apple's laptops, specifically about the butterfly keyboard and how prone to failure they were. The, the, the lawsuit you know, was, was the, the obvious one to be made, which was that Apple was knowingly selling uh, defective keyboards. And uh, and Apple says, we did nothing wrong. Here's $50 million to distribute among customers who paid to have their uh, keyboards replaced in a certain period of time. We did nothing wrong, but here's $50 million to uh, pretend like we did something wrong, yeah. but we're not going to admit that we did anything wrong. Yeah, which of course is like no- nothing money to Apple. And then for the customers, uh, you know, the the settlement is if you had your laptop repaired then you you get as much as like $375 yeah i think it's lawyers say that it's to expect maximum payouts of $395 to people who replaced multiple keyboards yeah $125 to those who replaced one keyboard and $50 to people who replaced keycaps not the whole keyboard <laughs> they they uh you know this this is this is all you're gonna get <laughs> i mean and you get like apple's original repair program of you know they re- repair the keyboard for yeah, free but yeah. i mean that was the bare minimum I'd, <laughs> I'd say after the first two two versions we you know you kind of knew what you're in for well although i, I mean unfortunately I, I think... a, a this is an american um lawsuit yeah. class action and b I never got my laptop repaired, so I don't classify in the yeah. class action at all. Because yeah. I didn't replace keycaps, I didn't replace keyboard, I just suffered with it for five years. Yeah, so, you... But for my suffering, I get zero dollars. Yeah. So. Well, you saved a few thousand dollars from not buying the ones. They're like, we, 
It's better this time, we promise. We've added a member. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I stuck it out there. I, I, I stuck it to the man yeah. and then paid an unseemly amount of money for the M1 map yeah. last year. But we, we, I mean, that machine is fantastic. So Yeah, we, we now know that the ultimate fix was to just not use the butterfly mechanism and return to scissor switches. And they can do that without going back to the, the amount of, of height they had before um but at the time it really did feel it, it like it does make you wonder why they bought this <laughs> yeah. well at the time it really did feel like each new version was this is oh this is the fix the membrane that's the, the membrane that's the you know there's you can't get stuff stuck in there anymore there's there's a membrane membrane now um and then it was noise addressed noise and yeah it was, it's behind us now but but that that's that's where it goes this is the ultimate end to that story is that there's a settlement and um, i had one keyboard replaced and it wasn't it was it was a 2015 macbook so it was the the first version of this keyboard but it it wasn't even for the reason of like keys getting stuck which which happened but uh, or like falling off which i never got to that point but it was that the um the letters like <laughs> i think I've, i'm sure we talked about this before and i sent you photos but like the keys were turning white and the, like where the letters are it, the, the black part was going away and only like the white part where the letters were was is what was what was there instead and yeah i think john gruber had a post um was it it might be john it was somebody this week about uh the, the the type of plastic apple uses for the keycaps and like after a while they wear down and they turn like shiny as if they've got oil on them but it, you can clean it but it's just the fact that the, the actual top layer of the plastic's worn away and I, I mean, I guess that's true, but more importantly, the actual keycaps just wear away. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And I've ne- I haven't seen that that the one that happened with the 2015 MacBook before. I mean, it didn't happen to mine. It was my partner's at the time, and and it happened to my 2016. She was a way lighter user than than, than the 12 inch MacBook than I was because I was using it every single day for eight hours, and it was getting hot. But uh, yeah, yeah, different. My, my 2016, I still have it. I, I still don't know what to do with it, but it's like frame it. I, <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Do like, one of those teardowns. Uh, if you try and put it in a frame, all the keys will fall That's out. Like, true. You have, to, you have to so precariously keep it there because if you lift it up like a like a guess who board, you know, like at a ninety degree angle, yeah, at least four of the keys are going to flick upwards. But that's how you, been... that's how you clean it is you have to do it at an angle and and spray yeah. it in semicircles. And... Yeah, if I got my um, compressed air at a seventy five degree angle, it would be more like um, Jenga with all the pieces going on across the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is the bad apple laptop uh region of time we are now in the fantastic era of apple silicon started obviously in october 2020 with the m1 macbook air and then macbook pro and the mac mini then they followed up with the m1 pro and m1 max and uh, macbook pros like which is what i use fantastic you got a m1 uh max mac studio not too long ago and now they have launched the brand new macbook air yeah yeah, which and, you now also have. Yeah, and before the Mac City, I I used the M1 MacBook Air exclusively. It was the the 999 model, you know. I had still sold. Yeah, and still sold, and I sold mine for um about sixty percent of what I paid for it after two years of use. So that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I on on Friday last Friday when Apple uh, released the new MacBook Airs. I, I I hadn't ordered one and I, I you know I didn't immediately know like I'm gonna go get one but um what I decided was if there's inventory on day one I will buy it I'm not gonna do an order and like wait for a month or so because I'm not that into it but since I could walk and go into a store and buy one I did um well I woke up extra early because <laughs> okay so rewind slightly why didn't you pre-order it if you're gonna buy on day one anyway well pre-ordering it means waiting a week right um <laughs> it's like buying it on day one and having to wait another week. These are this is the, the it's, it's this is the Zach logic. It's not insane to think this way. I, uh, okay, yeah. If you say so, it's not. It, <laughs> it's an American mindset. Okay, I think we all knew you wanted it. Let's be well. Real. Yeah, I said I wanted it. It's on my radar. Yeah, and not my. Yeah, I know. But at the time, you said you didn't. You didn't want it enough to order it. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it wasn't a priority enough to just like go and get it. That you know, but but anyway. But the very next week, boom, you're straight there on day one. Of course, someone asked me today on Twitter if I'm going to get the new Apple Watch this fall, and I and I said, yeah, probably. I've I've gotten every Apple Watch, <laughs> but but if you ask me, like to like if you know, I don't plan on it. <laughs> it's just you don't plan on it. It just happens. Yeah, yeah just these things happen to you. Not, yeah. Well, you know, marketing. Uh, anyway, I think this is a good purchase. Go for it. Yeah, it's a mm. good purchase. Yeah, I literally didn't. I mean, I sold my MacBook Air for for a good chunk of change, and so I was. It was just desktop only, which you know. Well, and when you got the Mac Studio, there was always like a 
at some point you're going to get a mobile Correct. solution yeah as well, it was right? never the long-term solution to only have a desktop and because that doesn't um it's not it's not i i did travel with my mac studio and and, and studio display for a few days and that was kind of a lot but i did it. it wasn't terrible i did it i mean i traveled with the imac before that um once before but uh it was it was fun like showing up at a friend's house and bringing in the mac studio and the display and everything but now i would just use a laptop because i bought one uh i woke up extra early on friday set my alarm for for uh 6 a.m <laughs> extra early 6 a.m but but uh yeah for me um there wasn't any inventory yet they weren't selling anything yet either at best buy or the apple store and our former colleague parker ortolani was also in the same boat he was looking he didn't pre-order but he was looking for apple store inventory and um I, I set an extra alarm for an hour later. I turned on alerts for Parker's tweets, <laughs> and that's what came through. Uh, I saw him tweet, uh, "In-store pickup is live," and he's in New York, so I, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe it won't be for another hour, but it'll reach the Central Time Zone. But it was the same time, so it was about six forty-three a.m., and I was able to go online and and pay for uh, a midnight MacBook Air, the color to get. And if it, that, I'd be furious if you brought any other color. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, t- that is a hundred percent the color to get. Yeah, I, I my 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 guidelines were, I will not buy one if it's space gray because I don't like space gray anymore. I I will probably buy one if it's silver, but I prefer starlight to silver because it's it's a different take on gold and silver mixed. But and and I didn't think I would get midnight just because of the the you know that that's the one to get. But it was there, so I bought it. Um, and they, were, they even had a choice because I bought the base model because, uh, like, you know, it, this doesn't have to I, – I go through Macs a lot, like especially Mac Notebook I upgrade often. And in my experience, you get a better you – get, you get more of your money back when you sell a base model than when you sell an upgraded model because, like, if you pay $1,800 for a MacBook Air and people can go and buy it for $1,200 or $1,000 – then you're not going to like, even though the hardware is better, the resale value on upgrades isn't going to, I mean, for one, Apple has, you know, it's, it's a lot to upgrade. So you're not going to resell those, you know, as as well as you would um, just the base model. So not interested in any upgrades kind of, I guess I'm too cheap for that anyway, but I had an option. Like there was the $1,200 MacBook air midnight. So eight gigabytes, 256 gigabyte uh, storage SSD. Uh, eight gigabytes ram and uh they had an option in store for 16 gigabytes of ram and one terabyte ssd and honestly i would have been kind of tempted by that but i had already made the purchase and so i didn't want to mess up that by like doing two and then returning one yeah i mean if you didn't have your mac studio it'd be a different equation right yeah you wouldn't be going for base model if 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 you're going for like the one mac lifestyle like like i am right i only have one laptop so I'm 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 not gonna just have a base model machine for what I need because I exhaust those needs uh, summarily. But if I was having a you know a, a desktop iMac and an on the go MacBook Air, I wouldn't have any trouble with uh, with getting a base model kind of setup. Like this this base model MacBook Air has had a lot of heat put on it from <laughs> various outlets on the internet and YouTube and stuff. Yeah, you, and, YouTube podcast written reviews, all of it. Yep. Yeah, like uh, there are. There are gotchas, but there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing that's so fundamental that I would be scared of buying it. Like yeah. the right, so yeah, it comes with 250 gigabyte SSD, which is not huge, and you're definitely going to be squeezed, but you can live with it. Like my 2016 MacBook Pro that I used since 2016 all the way up to full 2021 when I got the M1 uh, Max MacBook Pro, that was 256 gigabyte, and it yeah, after a few years, it did kind of suck, but. You know, for one thing, my usage was like 150 gigs of that storage was taken up by Xcode stuff alone. Right. So like, yeah. I was already way down on like the average buyer does not have that much active storage. I don't think. Like, if you're doing video editing, if you're doing mass photo editing, if you want to have your entire photo library on your laptop, then of course you're not going to do it on 256. But if you exclude all that stuff, most people are using web apps. They're using Twitter. They're using email. Right, and they have optimized storage on for photos. A lot of people can get away with 250 gigabytes on that kind of thing. Like, if you think about what the storage is on your phone, most people's usage of their laptops is very similar to how they use a phone. It just is. And most people on the phone have 250 gigabytes of storage or less, and they get get around with it perfectly fine. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, 
I don't want to buy this thing. I don't. I, really, I don't. I can't afford the extra. Like I would. If if you're happy, and you know that you can live on two hundred fifty six. Just buy it. You'll be happy. The other part of this is the, uh, the fact that the SSD is slower than the previous year on that two hundred fifty six gigabyte model because of the two RAM chip versus sorry the two memory chip versus one memory chip situation, um, which was a big deal for the thirteen uh, inch MacBook Pro when that came out at the end of last month, and it's the same deal with the MacBook Air. We spoke about this on the show, I'm pretty sure, but like, yes, the SSD speeds are halved if you're getting that model. But again, you have to be doing some really specific things to actually stress, like, to a point where that's really going to matter and you're really going to notice. Yes, I wish it wasn't the case. It'd be nicer if they just had 512 as the base model, so you always had two chips and you always had enough comfortable storage. But they don't. I wouldn't use that as a barrier not to buy it. Like, if you if you're so spec inclined that you're worrying about the SSD speeds, you're probably not like the MacBook Air is going to be a secondary purchase anyway. Like your main machine is going to be a MacBook Pro. It's going to be a Mac Studio. And if it's and if if you're not like look, you know, if you're not digging into those specs to that degree, if you're just doing web browsing, email, messaging, like what, I, which is probably accounts for ninety percent of people, like Zoom, you know, that kind of stuff, like general work from home computer. The slower SSD speed will not make a difference. It just it, maybe you should consider getting more RAM. But again, eight gigabytes. Look, most people doing average stuff, you can get away on eight gigabytes, perfectly fine. So that base model, I wouldn't call it like a poison machine or a thing you shouldn't buy. Or you, you know, you might as well just buy the fifty hundred dollar because that's a three hundred dollar price increase, right? It's a significant difference, and you shouldn't be like so disinclined from that base model just because of what like the fears about it, like. There are practical reasons why it may not be suitable, but I still think everybody I know that isn't like a video editor or a photo editor or a programmer, they could buy the base model and be perfectly fine with it, you know? Yeah, I really don't like the consensus that you should choose between the uh, M1 MacBook Air base model, which is 8 gigs and 256 gigabyte storage, or the $1,500 MacBook Air with 512 gigabytes and 16 gigabytes of RAM. Like that's a MacBook Air and a half, at least with the base model M2, which is a new design and a little bit larger screen size. You're paying $200 instead of, you know, 50% of the total cost extra. So um, good, good, good bit of difference there. And I think the constraint on only being able to support one external display is a more real world problem than the ssd speed yeah i issue. and i did a just kind of a short review uh just just because so many reviews kept coming out and saying do not buy the base model like if you're giving buying advice and i just like i don't like that um it's, i think that's wrong if i thought it was generally bad i would say so but yeah i don't think it is i think the 999 MacBook Air is great too it is it's good it's solid you know you've, you've got i think that you need to have an appreciation for having like the new look um because even the webcam quality difference going from 720 to 1080p isn't a huge difference. I mean, it's it's a difference, but it's not huge. Um, there's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same webcam that's on the MacBook Pros now, right? And it is better, but I wouldn't write home about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, I, and I wasn't even going to like do a review because I don't like to just do, re- like, here's my version of the same review what I was doing, but I feel like I had something to say because what I was going to do was just tweet about it, <laughs> like a snarky tweet. And then I was like, oh, I've kind of got an outline here for a story, so I should just write it out, you know? So it's, it is my job. Um, so my, my main three points are this. Um, with the SSD, I, I cannot tell that the base storage is slower, that, that this hard drive is slower than the last one. Um, I'm not doing a side-by-side test, but also I'm not using them side-by-side. And like, there's some things that, that you need benchmarks to, to discover. And there are some things that you need certain workloads to discover. And I don't have uh, either, either of those to bother with. Um, Performance-wise, uh, I can't tell if the M2 chip throttles. You know, this was a big one over the weekend of like, you know, YouTubers experiencing, oh yeah, this is definitely throttling sooner than, than the M1 would or um, a MacBook Pro would uh, or, you know, the M2 with a fan would. Um, but again, like th- those are... I think that's a lot more of like you're using the wrong machine for what you're doing or you're just trying to push it to its limits to see what are the limits. And that's interesting and good and sciencey. But like I if you ask me like, OK, at what point are you throttling? I wouldn't know. And and so that's, that's that. But also like Throttle, throttling <laughs> was a bigger issue when we're in the Intel world. When you needed in to put your, world, your MacBook Pro in a refrigerator to not. Throttle. Yeah, like in the Intel world, the CPUs run so hot that throttling would have a lot of bad consequences 
it would make fans run really loud yeah. and it would physically make your computer run slower in very noticeable ways. It just scrolling around doing anything, right? And it would make it feel really, really warm to the touch. Um, the MacBook Air doesn't have fans at all, so that's not an issue. Uh, Speed-wise, like, the efficiency cores alone on the M2 or M1 chips are faster than the 2018 MacBook Air. Like, just the efficiency cores, not the performance cores that are actually the ones that get throttled. So if you're coming from older, you know, years-old machines, you could be running a MacBook Air in throttled, in the throttled, you know, intense workload configuration, and it's still three times as fast, four times as fast as your previous generation. Mm. So people need to get some perspective here. Like, the 2019 MacBook Pro, the 16-inch one, that had a real throttling problem. That was legit, and it would be really annoying it, the performance would take noticeable down steps. In, and again, that was a pro laptop, so it has higher degrees of requirements, right? So doing the pro work, the CPU would get absolutely destroyed and it would the performance would halve. And your fans would be running at like 100% after like five minutes. MacBook Air, yeah, it would throttle a bit after, you know, five, ten minutes of doing sustained work. But most people, in, again, most people aren't going to be having sustained workload situations. Even for video editing, like ignoring the actual like exporting part where you're actually encoding the video just running around moving clips around and stuff that won't throttle that might have ram implications for instance but you're not going to throw the gpu and cpu just doing edits like that like you really need to be in sustained work and um, programming you're not going to throttle on like nothing v- very 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 few coding projects are going to be like in situations where you are doing compilation for minutes at a time it just doesn't it just doesn't really happen that often and even in these benchmarks that we are seeing the throttled speeds on the, like a video export, they're still faster than the M1 version. <laughs> it's just like you know, it's not as fast as the 13-inch MacBook Pro M2 is doing it, but it's still slightly faster than the M1 version is. So again, a lot of a lot of hysteria for not much practical considerations. Like the throttling issue on the MacBook Air is not is a non-issue. I, mean, I think it's perfectly fine to like test the benchmarks and show on paper. Right, these these yeah. are you know for historical sake, these are the differences. But my last point. I think is just as important as my first two, you know, first two being if I, I cannot tell that the base storage is slower. If it, you know, I, I believe you that it is, but I can't tell based on what I'm, how I'm using it. I don't experience throttling or, you know, know it when I do, but also I don't, I cannot tell if the M2 is faster than the M1 chip. Like, and again, like you probably shouldn't be able to tell because just of, you know, the difference isn't night and day. Like it was from going from Intel to, to M1 in the first place or like, you know, a five year leap in computer generation. But just like I can't tell about those two of the things that you can benchmark and show on paper, I can't tell that the M2 chip is faster. Both the, the performance wise to me, you could say this is the uh, MacBook Air with an M1 inside and this whole new design. And. I would I would be into it. It's like, yeah, this is a really cool new design. I finally have a screen that looks like the MacBook Pros with edge-to-edge corners uh, way more than before. Uh, the notch is weird, but whatever. Uh, I kind of like that the menu bar looks a little bit different, and, you know, there's that. So uh, yeah, th- those are just, like, my real-world use case opinions. Um, the base model, you know, this area, <laughs> I just don't I, I don't get on board with that. Uh, I don't even have an issue with, with 256 gigabytes of, of space because, um, you know, I don't have any music saved locally on this computer. It's all streaming, which is how people, you know, obtain music these days. Uh, my photo library, it loads in like as I need it, you know, with which photo, which photos, with iCloud photos. Same thing with my, with my storage. Um, I don't have, enough, I'm using about, I think about half of the drive. So um, it, 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 I've got a lot of room to go. And, but I don't think I'll even like expand beyond maybe 25% more in like the time that I'll use this thing because I'm using iCloud drive. So, what files I do have can be, you know, saved, offloaded, off- offloaded yeah. and then, you know, access when I need them. So, and that isn't like a going out of my way to, to be able to fit into the base model. That That's just like continuing my behavior from the last two years and, be, you know, further. So, uh, in those use cases, like, it's, it's wonderful. I listed in, in my, in my you know, sort of review of um, these are things that I, how I do use it. And it does not contain video editing or app development. Um, I used to, you know, and you start, I used to edit the podcast when, and that was like the most intensive thing I would do was like the export or, you know, those kind of things, but I don't even do that anymore. We have Seth Kirkowski. And you could still do that on this laptop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It wouldn't be as fast if you're doing it on a Mac studio or MacBook pro, but yeah. you could do it very, very well, like yeah. efficiently. Way more capable and, than a $1,200 iPad pro setup was what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and way faster than let's say a 2018 MacBook pro. Like people have to get some, you know, context here. Like. Yeah, there's some throttling going on, but it's still way faster than 
the laptop you're upgrading from, assuming you ha- you don't have an M1, like if you don't have an Apple Silicon machine already, ninety five percent chance this this computer is faster than the one you've got, like including including ones that cost three times as much not too long ago. Yeah, like Apple Silicon is so good, you can get away with so much. Like I was thinking about how when the first generation like M1 stuff came out, orig- initially people were thinking like, okay, Apple's going to do like a clean break here. They're going to do like all new designs. Every M1 machine's going to have an all new design, right? And then obviously the first three they came out with were literally just the old chassis with new components inside. And But now it almost makes more sense because like now in year two, the M2 chip, year over year, difference to the M1 is quite small. But now they can roll out the new designs yeah. and you've got like a really nice modern laptop with still an incredibly powerful chip. So like they've almost like bought themselves a year of just doing, you know, like hard hardware chassis iteration only and it's still a great computer yeah come yeah. m3 i'm <laughs> i mean this seriously come m3 i won't feel the need to like to replace this macbook air with the m3 macbook air um in the, it, unless it comes in a 15 inch screen option yeah or 12 but uh i mean that that was the case when i had a we would use a macbook pro as well though it's like this year they've changed the keyboard a little bit <laughs> it's like that's the change and the intel chip is you know a different generation but you can't tell the difference there or, you know you gotta really care to notice uh and i didn't upgrade every year for those so this will this is back on that that cycle um but uh yeah and we should clarify yeah. you like the design right it's cool i, I like the design yeah I, I was really skeptical of the design too because the i like the trick that they pull off with the previous mac air design where it's always been tapered because they really do a good job of making it visually look like the thinnest portion is very thin in some cases it is very thin but they even like taper it down to um a very small point even though it's bulbous beneath it and it's actually thicker than that um and, and this model is thicker than the thinnest point but thinnest than the thickest point of the macbook air that it replaces uh and that was always not sure but uh in in holding it and everything it just it instantly felt very very modern and just very nice like a very nice object um because it's a uniform shape like i i, I saw a friend a few weeks ago um who brought out their macbook pro uh m1 pro or whatever for i don't know what the chips are called anymore but the new macbook pro and i, I, I kind of hold that because i don't have one so i'm not used to seeing him every day and i was like this just feels very nice like i almost you know it's, it's, this is a nice thing so now this is this is that version of that you know it's not as thick as, as the pro this is the thinner version of the pro uh they're different than the, than the wedge shape but um it doesn't feel bad at all so i'm i'm pleased with it and then the thing that you look at every day you know is the screen even if you're on the fence about you know the wedge shape versus a little bit a little bit thicker points um all flat design the thing you look at i mean the, the new screen looks way more modern than the old screen on the on the m1 macbook air and that's where like if you're buying a macbook air today and you're looking at it and you're like i've got a choice between the m1 and the m2 uh performance wise like you know i don't think that matters for, for a lot for most use cases but and for customers who are looking at those two computers but it really is just the difference in 200 dollars of do you like that design, the colors options that it comes in? And do you care about like screen vessel, you know, and that because it it feels way better to have the screen go, you know, to the corner with like a uniform radius than it than it than having it be boxed in. Cause it didn't feel yeah. it didn't feel modern before. You know, it felt modern until there was something more modern than it, and then it felt old. So uh I love this thing. Um in defense of the base model, I am. <laughs> you know. Uh do you charge with MagSafe or USB C? So I, you know, before I had the charge of Mac or the USB C because that's all you could do. Um, the the I'm using MagSafe uh, just because it's what comes in the box. And if I didn't want to, I would, like if it came with USB C, and you had to buy a MagSafe, I probably wouldn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. But because it's what it, it's the charger that comes in the box, I'm not like instead using a MagSafe charger somewhere else. I don't have an iPad that has you. I don't have an iPad, so I don't have a USB C iPad. So um, the only thing I charge with USB C would be it would be an iPad or a MacBook, and in this case, uh, I'm just using the MagSafe that it comes with. And it's a, it's a very nice cord, like it's very thin, and the braided material is nice. I'm so glad that, that Apple's doing that. The color it matches the the case material, um, unlike yours. And uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm so mad that a they didn't match the MagSafe charger and and they didn't offer a midnight option at the time. Yeah, right? I don't have a lot of opinions about MagSafe versus USB C. I think that plugging it in feels nice, and unplugging it is easier. I guess like it's a, it's such a small difference to me. Um, 
if I had a choice, I would say three USB-C ports if you could and no MagSafe just because that that's more practical because MagSafe is only yeah, for the power. I, I, I use USB-C day-to-day because I still plug into the Thunderbolt dock, yeah. but when I'm taking my laptop for traveling, I actually do pack the MagSafe cable instead because yeah. A, I feel like it feels slightly nicer because it's braided, and B, when the laptop's closed and charging, I like having the little, like orange light was, or green light on the side. That's what I was going to say. I wasn't used to that because I haven't had that in years, like seven years, I would say. And, uh, it, you know, it's a very small thing, but it's there. Um, and it was, it was nice seeing it. There's a little orange light. Time goes by and now it's green. I guess I'll unplug it now. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I do hope by the, like the next revision to the MacBook Air design, they can find a way to put a port on the other side. Cause like well, can, one of the nice wings on find the way now, but yeah. Okay. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So like, cause it. right now they've got MagSafe and two USB-C on the left and then only on the right is the headphone jack. Like, It'd be a lot more balanced if they had MagSafe, USB-C on left, and then headphone jack and USB-C on right. Because then if you are in a setup where you'd rather charge on the other side, you just use the USB-C port on that side. That'd be nice. And I wish they'd sort out the two external display limit thing, because I think that's stupid. Yeah. But that was the same on the M1 one too. Yeah. You know, uh, another point you know, I want to say is, like, obviously, if you're, if you're using uh, a Mac or any computer with way more storage than the base model or way more RAM. And you, and you just know that this isn't for you. Like, don't buy it. You know, that's not for you. Buy it, buy an upgraded model. Um, you know, and anywhere between the, I guess you can go 1400 for the, for the next version up. If you change something about it to 1500 and, you know, anywhere between that and $2,000 is, you know, it's reasonable before you get to the MacBook pro. And then you should probably look at that. But um, I was also thinking like, Years ago, before like YouTube revolt reviews were a thing, um, or, or, you know, I, I think YouTube reviews have have a certain skew where you're getting YouTube reviews from video editors. <laughs> like most YouTube reviews are from video editors, not just like general um, press, you know. I, I'd say, and so there, there's going to be a big skew toward power machines that like are best at video editing, and those are the same people who care about benchmarks and, and that kind of thing. Um, like years ago, if it was just all in print or a magazine or newspaper, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have that. It would just be like the actual user user experience, you know. What do you notice? And if you just like run into issues, it wouldn't be the theoretical benchmark. It'd be this is the practical use case that I'm that I'm having an issue with. So I, I think that's important to to think about and, and note. And um, yeah, benchmark culture definitely needs to be toned down a little bit. Like it's too easy to run to a controversy because like the benchmark got slightly slower after five minutes or ten minutes or something, you know, versus. <laughs> reality yeah yeah benchmarks are fine to do and they're fine to note and they're fine to report but they they're not like the be on end of i'm glad i'm not a youtuber because this and, I, and i'm saying yeah. that as in the in the time frame when these benchmarks are still industry leading like ignore the benchmarks but if you do want to look at them you're not going to find windows computers at the same form factor that are faster so like even if you do want to look at those numbers like i don't know what else you what you're comparing to apart from the previous year of apple silicon you know yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, MacBook Air, big, uh, big thumbs up. Big fan, a lot of fingerprints. Don't you doesn't bother me. I, I see him. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So you do, you do, you do see fingerprints, but you don't care. I I do see him, and also the color. I mean, midnight. Uh, the photos that I I took a few photos, and the thing looks space gray. Like I don't know if you you looked at the pictures in my in my story I posted, but I think you can look at that and say, oh, that's the space gray model, and that's just how it, that's just how it looked in the pictures. But like. Yeah, I guess you guess. I I I had a register. I hadn't looked at the photos. Yeah, yeah I guess I've I've just clicked on it. it look, they do look space gray in those pictures. Yeah, looks like space gray with fingerprints. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's the difference that you can tell is their fingerprints. But um, no. When I first opened it, it was in my car. Like I was in the Apple Store, and then I was in a parking garage parked, and I opened it up, and I was like, "This is plenty black enough to be like you know the dark MacBook compared to even the space gray one," you know um and then in my house like you know it's hot outside and i've don't have a lot of outdoor lighting in right now if i can help it and it just looks black you know and then if you go into like in my car i, I looked over and it was in the seat next to me and you know bright sunlight and you got that very dark blue look to it you know it, it, that's cool like if you ask me dark 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 blue or black i'd say black <laughs> you know black is the key as the key well in your macbook pro but um the, this is this is the best option in color if you want a black notebook and um you know you're not buying a pro so i like it uh th- there's there has been a little bit of a, a very very small thing going 
going on so far around um, people saying that you, you plug in a cable one time to USB-C and then the material comes off and you see the silver exposed. And um, I haven't had that in the, like the four days that I've had it, you know, I, I think that's about, that's about the general time span people have had these things, but um, my, my, my Mabber Pro does that, but it's just the colors closer to silver because it's space gray. So it's yeah. less noticeable. But and I've had, you, if you look close enough, you can definitely see some of the paint has come away. Yeah. I've had silver or I don't know. I've had space gray where the palm rest on either side of the trackpad wears away and mm-hmm. looks worn in there. I think that was probably on like a 2015 MacBook or, or 2016 MacBook Pro because I haven't experienced that in a long time, but that was, that happened. Um, I, I imagine it will happen in time. I imagine like if this thing gets nicked, it'll definitely do that. Like my phone has, but that's fine on me. Um, I'd rather have a, a midnight with with the nick here or there than than um you know space gray with probably the same thing happening. So cool color. Um, glad glad I got it on day one because now if you look at it, then you know it's you're into August and September for any configuration. So that, um, I'm you know cool. It's a cool machine. Happy Hour This Week is also sponsored by New Relic. Developers are curious. They want to explore the newest technologies, dive into documentation, and implement the newest, fanciest things. I make apps. I definitely fall into that camp of just wanting to play around with the brand new frameworks. Sometimes, though, that's the right thing to do, and other times it isn't. So what New Relic allows you to do is provide you hard data to back up the curiosity. New Relic helps engineers understand exactly why things are happening or why something has gone wrong. You can accurately debug issues on the fly and plan for future changes to your stack with confidence. New Relic gives you data about what you're building and shows what's really happening in the software lifecycle. New Relic is a single place to see data from across your entire stack, front end and back end, so you don't have to look into 16 different separate tools and try to manually connect them together. New Relic pinpoints issues down to the exact line of code, so you know why problems are happening and can resolve them quickly. And that's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies are using New Relic to debug and improve their software. When teams come together around data, it allows you to triage problems, be confident in decisions, and reduce the time needed to resolve issues, relying on hard data, not opinions. So use the data platform made for the curious. Right now, you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data per month, free forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash happy hour. That's spelled N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. Newrelic.com slash happy hour. Thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the show. Uh, next up, we have a new study that Apple has published with sources. Uh, and this isn't one of those Apple funded studies to defend the App Store and you know, against antitrust and all that. This one actually, I think, is is neat and interesting. Um, it's an Apple Health study, and it's a several pages long document that basically recaps the last eight or ten years of Apple's effort in um, in, in health and fitness and wellness, um, going back to the beginning of HealthKit when the iPhone, uh, what five S could track your steps to the Apple Watch, which can you know we know all the things it can do with ECG and heart rate tracking and everything, and um, at, you know, I, I haven't read this thing like front to back, but I, I did look at uh, a lot of it and uh, also all the sources on on it. And I think, you know, I don't think there's anything new here to to, to take away from it. Um, I think that the, like, the 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 purpose of this thing is just to you know spread the message of this is what we've been doing for ten years and um, here's everything collectively and then add to it every year. But um, j- just in general, it's it's a really well documented thing that. You know, the purpose, of course, is to is to promote Apple and, and what they're doing. But um, it's also, you know, it's it's one place that has everything that you might talk about separately between, you know, uh, what the Apple Watch can do, um, what research studies Apple's uh, been involved in and, and, you know, what research kit is, what health kit is, how your uh, data, you know, is held privately and how, how that, that works. So uh, I thought it was a neat thing. And uh, yeah, I wonder yeah. if it's been made partly in response to the like reports from around february ish when there were those like criticisms of like the apple health group and they didn't know what they they didn't have like they're a bit rudderless in direction and some schemes had failed and like there was that report of them wanting to actually open like clinics and stuff but then it got scaled back so i feel like this might be partly a response to that in terms of like cutting together everything they have done like productively over the last you know five and a half years plus and 
putting it in one place is like this is this is our portfolio right now and of course we're still working on more stuff down the road yeah i i think i think this document is like actually interesting to look at and just way more i receive this way better than any of the apple funded studies about the app store and economics and antitrust uh like like those are definitely reactionary to what's happening in court cases this one you know could yeah there's no lawsuits over <laughs> apple's health uh, activity yeah i mean it, i mean effectively it's a big ad for the iphone and the apple watch and, and using apple's technologies and you know evangelizing those so that more medical institutions take advantage of those as well and, it, and it, it's you know a sales pitch on um you know what apple can do uh but it's also you know i think it's actually a cool document to take a look at and, and it has everything in one place um, I, I did get to ask some, some questions uh, when when this was, you know, uh, during the brief on this. And, you know, I had questions like, hey, this is a big, big praise of the Apple Health app, which is on the on the iPhone, which is a relatively small screen compared to, say, the iPad and the Mac. You know, and um, of course, the answer to that was we offer the health app on the iPhone. <laughs> you know, OK, cool. Uh, but I was, I was also just kind of curious of like, you know, uh, who is this for? You know, why now? What's the time? What, what's the idea here? Um, you know, and the answer there is sort of well, all customers, but especially people and and that are that are interested in um, the gritty the gritty details of of you know what Apple does in health and 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 privacy with these products. Um, and then and then lastly, something I asked about was you know something we've discussed here, which is that we see uh, all the time stories about how the Apple Watch. Uh, encourage someone to go to the hospital they otherwise wouldn't have and something life-saving was discovered or fall detection kicks in when someone has a bike accident and they're they're knocked out and the watch calls emergency services and your closest contact and, and they know where you are all those things we don't see those for the blood oxygen sensor which was a key feature key sensor on the apple watch series 6 uh, and later and so i did ask you know i did a kind of I did command f and i typed in um blood oxygen and i found like two mentions of it in the whole like 60 page document compared to everything <laughs> else and so my question was you know um why 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 is that you know is there something that we're not seeing uh is is this as effective as those other sensors and you know the answer that, that apple gives is we 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 do use blood oxygen to uh, as a center that contributes to these studies, you know, including sleep tracking, um, it's it's just one more data point that informs what what we can gather. Uh, but then, <laughs> what I found interesting was that it was phrased as the release feature, and there was a, like I felt like there was an emphasis on relief or, or release. The release feature is what we're approved to do by the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I thought that was interesting um, as sort of... Basically implying there's more they probably could do, but they can't get like regulatory yeah. approval on it yet. Yeah, yeah. probably could. Probably You probably could do more of that sensor, but you can't, you know, legally. And so, but that also brings up, you know, I was speaking with our colleague, Michael Podick, about this and um, his, his response to, you know, I was sort of sharing the, the question and answer with him and just for discussion. And and he said, you know, I see a lot of variance in the blood oxygen sensor results. Like sometimes it'll say 94% and I'll test one where like right after that, it'll say 99%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, yeah, that's, that's true. So, uh, you know. Maybe it hasn't met like the... <laughs> consistency reliability bar that the fda needs or something yeah yeah but you know and, and maybe there are examples where you see like you're in the really low 90s and you decide you know i'm gonna go to the doctor or you know worse you're in the high 80s and you're like this is not good and you and you do something about it but uh and and you know you can check manually or you can go back and look at it historically but there's there, there really isn't that you get an alert when you hit a threshold right it's always proactive you go and look at it or you you know you... unlike all the heart notifications right too. right yeah yeah so, but but hopefully this document that they published, the white paper, is something that I think they they, they label it July twenty twenty two. So it would be nice if if each you know year or so they they do an update and um, we actually do see stuff like like uh, you could probably you probably can learn things in here that you haven't seen before like look at the citations and say well I didn't know about that study or I didn't know about this involvement there. Um, but but going forward, if we look and look at and compare from from this year to next year, oh this is what they've done over the last year. That's that's good to know. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, and then next up, we have some Apple Arcade uh, news. This is uh, 
kind of sad. Some bad news, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This was. I don't think when Apple Arcade was announced that they were, you know, they say eventually we'll have a leaving soon category, but they do now. Leaving soon, a list of uh, so far fifteen games that are uh, are flagged as they won't be on the service forever. They'll, they'll actually be gone sometime in the near future. <laughs> no. And even if you download them when they leave the service, the apps won't launch. So. Yeah, that's. That's weird, huh? That's, that's the, I'm, that's I the guess subscription that lifestyle. When they were make, yeah, I guess when they were making these deals, they gave them like a three-year deal and then they didn't renew them, I guess, because it's about three years since Apple Arcade launched. Yeah. Who, who's who's deciding to leave here? Is it Apple kicking them off or where is it the developers deciding we're not going to stay or what? You know? I presume it comes from, like, because Apple pays the developers to make the games to put them on the service. So I guess they, whatever price, because, and it's not all titles, so like, I guess different developers, different publishers got different deals depending on what the games were. Like, no offense to the games on this list, but they're not like the highest profile ones, if you see what I mean. So either everyone had the same deal and Apple renewed like the ones that actually were popular, or at the time initially, Apple like fully commissioned some games and other games were like, we're going to give you a three-year license yeah. and then we'll see at the end of three years whether we're going to up it again. And obviously some of them are not. Are not meeting that level, so they're getting dropped. Yeah, there there were the reports about midway through that Apple wanted to emphasize games, and this isn't like negative or anything. It makes perfect sense for as a strategy, but emphasize games that are playable over a long term and not just like you you beat them and you're done. Uh, and I, I don't know how connected that this is, but uh, also the, there's been the, the recent pattern of they. They, they make plus versions of games that were in the App Store, and these are the ad-free yeah, versions. Yeah, and but... that's like the predominant releases now on Apple yeah, Arcade. Like, yeah. That is definitely a, a strategy shift from like when they announced it at that March 2019 event. They, they were like, we're going to make you know the best games ever, the incredibly cultural ones, the games that no one else will make, right? Because yeah. we're, we're funding them and stuff. And that kind of high like uh, prestige, let's, you know, that prestige approach, which they've definitely upheld on the TV side, uh, has definitely fallen away on the arcade side. Like, it's now just like a, not like a bargain bucket, but you know what I mean? Just like a, we'll just have anything in here that we can get relatively cheaply, you know? Like, they, it doesn't have that, like, feeling of super premium titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they launched with a fair few of those, but and they've done a few over time, but it, it's like three or four a year. And most of the, most of the catalog now is like, you know, plus games or Subway Surfers, tag do you know what i mean like so and i don't think the service is bad but it definitely isn't like matching what they originally pitched it as in that march 2019 event yeah i love apple arcade um not not as a user but uh i have apple arcade through the apple one bundle um i, I care about iCloud storage and apple music primarily uh, but it's it's in the bundle and so and, and it's probably one of the services i would pay for on its own if there was not a bundle you know for five dollars a month because it's the section in the app store that I can tell my four-year-old to, to browse, you know, say, if you want a new game, it has to be from Arcade because otherwise he's finding games through advertising on, you know, and, and it's, you, you find, you play a game that has advertising and it recommends another game from the developer that has advertising. And it's like endless games of just ads on every single screen for other and games. Microtransaction rubbish. Yeah, and- yeah. And that's just a really bad experience and frustrating you know for for him as a user and and then for me uh i i, I can know like you're not going to be bombarded with in-app purchases and you're not going to get in the the cycle of this game is really just an ad for the next game which is after the next game and so um it's it's a wonderful service for that reason so you know yeah, it's good for families for sure yeah it's not the artistic curated catalog that they first pitched it out yeah, but it's, I, don't, I don't care about everything. like for instance <laughs> At the beginning of this month, Apple Arcade launched My Bowling 3D Plus. Yeah. Didn't quite fall under the campaign that they began at the beginning, but they've obviously evolved based on who's using it, I think, <laughs> to focus more on the family stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, there's a report from, from Mark Irwin Bloomberg, which is about uh, Apple's plans for slowing hiring and not replacing certain uh, open positions in certain groups at the company. Uh, this is sort of in in response to you know anticipated or uh, existing economic slowdown over the next year, and uh, one of the key points Mark Mark makes in the story is that even though they're going to be uh, doing some some you know they're going to slow hiring and not do certain 
expansion. It's not every single group at Apple, and also that it doesn't seem to affect the the next year of product releases. So they're, you know, what he what he described before as like the most ambitious product release ever. You know, is um, new versions of everything plus maybe the headset is is still on track. Uh, and I would say also, you know, in the same day I saw the information of a story that was about this, but for Google, and so it's. Um, normal, good, healthy, probably probably best. Even though Apple's you know financially strapped very well, uh, that, that they should also respond. <laughs> they, they should respond responsibly to to economic conditions, and it seems like that. Yeah, like there's a difference between slowing hiring and firing people. You know, like laying people off is what happens when you're in trouble. Slowing hiring is like what these companies do in response to, like Amazon's going through this exact same thing as well. They had huge crazy growth for years and years and years. And now, as from the beginning of like 2022, that those growth projections have slowed right the way down. So then they have to cut back, and like Amazon. And if you do it badly, Amazon has like excess inventory, excess factory space, like all this stuff that now costs them money that they're never going to be able to use. And so that's you know that looks bad on the balance sheet, and it's bad, um, you know, fiduciarily for investors to see like all this wastage. And so you have to kind of adjust the conditions, and like it doesn't mean like Apple could be hiring. 1% fewer people than they would normally or 5% fewer people or 10% fewer people they're still they're still going to be hiring people you know like so you have to you have to take this as it is like obviously it's a warning sign that economically globally apple at least doesn't think that it's going to be as successful as it has been for the last few years which i think is quite a reasonable expectation given like you know inflation and stuff at the moment is really cutting to people's disposable income because you know the rural centers are costing so much more than they did even a year ago um but it doesn't. It's not like a harbinger of doom by any means. Uh, if you remember back in 2019, following the poor reception to the iPhone XS and iPhone XR cycle, uh, Apple actually announced they were coming back and hiring for some divisions there as well. And I guess it happened, but you probably wouldn't ever, from the outside, ever been able to tell. Like, it's not like the company became dilapidated or run down or you know, slow or, or got like curtailed in any really noticeable way. I'm sure it happened, but it's not like a a thing where it's like, aha, this is the downfall of the company now because this happened here. Like, it's just something, it's a readjustment, I guess. And they would call it restructuring mm-hmm. is like the official, like, enterprise term for it. And I guess that's what we're going through here again. Uh, we'll see practically the first, like, financial hard numbers at the earnings call next week. When If, if they really miss numbers, then that's bad. But again, Apple could miss... Like if if Apple does have bad quarters, the stock will drop. It'll be like you know bad for investors. But they have to lose so much money to actually be in any sort of trouble. Practically, that it's like unrealistic to ever expect to happen. Yeah, so, so much of the reality now is is that hardware you're limited by how much you can make and not how much you can sell. You can sell as much as you can make, but you can't make it enough to meet demand. Definitely a factor as well. Yep, yep. You pro- and probably not a news story whenever hiring uh, increases. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a thing that happens, and it does sound kind of funny that these like you know three trillion, two trillion dollar companies are like, oh, we have to slow hiring, but it's just a, you know, it's a readjustment from hiring ten thousand people to hiring five thousand people. Like, sure, that's just how it works based on they're responding to the needs of the business, and they're not going to hire people for no reason. Yep. So. Yep. All right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. If you enjoy this show, please let us know. Uh, you can leave a rating or review. We appreciate that. You can tell a friend to subscribe. That helps a lot as well. Uh, if you really love the show, you can listen to the ad-free version in Apple Podcast. It's $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. We also just appreciate anyone who subscribes anywhere. And uh, if you have any feedback for us, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... Newly verified. Newly For the fourth time. We'll see if this sticks. <laughs> Invisible you on Twitter, Ad. BZA Mayo, always verified. Always verified. <laughs> Can't take that away from you. <laughs> I have four congratulations on your account being verified emails. Verified <laughs> followed me for years from when I was verified previously. Unfollowed me today so that they could re-follow me. I'll take it. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>